Evening, everybody. My name is Dean, and I'm an addict. Uh, I'd like to thank Jordan for asking me to uh, be his 10-minute opening speaker this evening. Um, I have a clean date of June 23, 2018. Um, <clears throat> let me see. Let me give you a little bit of me as a heroin addict. Uh, I did my first bump of heroin in 1992 when I was 15 years old. I grew up outside of Manhattan in northern New Jersey. And um, I'm not saying like younger people have it easy today. Like, you know, you can get on Craigslist and have shit delivered your door. But in my day, you had to get in your car and drive to South Bronx and fucking sit in, sit in a traffic jam waiting for kids to run up to your car. So I, uh, at 15, I'd smoked weed. And within three months, you know, driving to the South Bronx to get weed, I'd done crack, heroin, like, I tried everything within three months. Um, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say I like felt different. The people I looked up to were like rock stars who all like burn it out and fade away, you know, at a young age. And that's what I wanted for my life. I don't know why. Um, but, uh, you know, I was really good at keeping up that outward appearance. Um, you know, I came from a good, uh, a good house. My parents are still married like 50 years later. You know, they never, if anything, they, they enabled me too much by giving me things, you know, they taught me a value of, of hard work and stuff like that. But, um, you know, they would give me their old car and stuff like that. I never really had to like save money to get stuff. Um, and, you know, they paid for my college. They sent me a college. They, they wanted me to have a good life. But, um, you know, I balanced that addiction all through high school, all through college. And uh, when I was in college, I was in a band and uh, we got signed like a week after I graduated college. And I toured the East Coast for three years and I toured the, the whole band moved out to Portland, Oregon, which back in early 2000, like that was like a huge opiate place. And the music took backseat to, you know, getting stuck in this thing and making myself feel better because I, I was like in it at that point. And, uh, you know, I, did anything like a 25 year old do after I sold my car, pawned all my guitars, all my equipment and everything. Got my whole band addicted to, to Oxycontins. I called mom and dad and I said, can you send me money? I need to come back home. And I moved back home and I kicked methadone cold turkey. Didn't sleep for a month, it was not fun. And after I got that shit, I got a job as a bartender. Good idea, started getting money, got into it again. Um, but my parents were always there like fighting for me. So I got on a methadone maintenance program I went to x-ray school. I got an x-ray degree. So I, I, I have a big pattern of building my life up and tearing it down. As soon as I got that degree, I'd be at work shooting heroin in the bathroom. And if you work at a hospital where there's a bunch of mental health and, and people notice that shit. And so they fired me. So I got a job. I went to school as a surgical tech um, at Suboxone. And, you know, I just kept building up and tearing my life down. During that time, I met a woman. My first date, I asked her to movies, and then I said, hey, can you drop me off at the methadone clinic on the way to our date? <laughs> she was the type of person that had a job. She was normal. I knew I could manipulate the shit out of her for the rest of my life and drain her bank account, which is exactly what I did. And, uh, you know, we went from me having my own place to telling her I'm four months behind on rent because I spent all the rent. We had to move in with her sister, from her sister, into her parents' basement, and had a baby during that whole time. And... Being a heroin addict for 26 years and in active use and trying to keep up that appearance with having a wife and a kid, that was fucking hard work. And treatment center after treatment center, leaving my two-year-old son for 45 days, 
her trusting me to watch him, me overdosing in the bathroom while he's out there two years old watching TV. That was a repetitive cycle in my life. Uh, you know, I've overdosed three times. I died once. They Narcan me. I, cut my, I woke up in an ambulance with them zapping me back to life with the paddles. And by the grace of God, I'm here today for some reason. And uh, so after maybe my sixth or seventh treatment center, uh, and my wife said, I'm fucking done with you. She dropped me off at the airport. I flew out to Laguna Beach to a treatment center. And I was being paid to come out here. 30 days, I said, I have nothing to rush back to. They gave me 90 days, I'll stay out here. And after that, I learned, I learned I don't have myself to rely on to save my life. And so, uh, you know, I started Ubering the morning meetings. Uh, I, I did this thing like my life depends on it. Uh, I've done the steps. I'm an active member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I've done the steps three times in the two and a half years that I've gotten this thing. And if you're new, like I know what it's like. Like I thought, oh, alcoholics, they can overcome that shit. Heroin, that's a whole fucking other story. I, I, I could not fathom how anybody could get their life together after being physically addicted. To, like, there was no way out for me. I just couldn't fathom. I'd see ladies walk their dog down the street. I was like, how does that fucking lady walk her dog? Like that, normal people that are living on life was, was something I couldn't understand. But I worked this thing like my life depended on it because my life did depend on it. And I, I was just, you know, I tried this thing so many times, NA, all that shit, get a sponsor, do half the work, fucking go to 90 meetings in 90 days, do half-ass everything. Up to 99% per, of the time I do it, which is, you might as well do 1%. You gotta do this fucking thing 100%, 110%. And that's what I did. I got a sponsor, took me through the steps. I started sponsoring guys at six months. And through working these steps, I mean, I had no self-esteem. I moved out here homeless. My wife had left me. And by, by letting myself have a belief in a higher power, like my sponsor was like, hey, give this shit up to God. Like, no, no, I'm going to get kicked out of my sober living. I don't have a job. I got a hernia now. I can't live furniture anymore. And he's like, trust, trust God. Like, I promise you everything's going to work out. Just keep doing what you're doing. And shit just started happening because I, I fucking give, shit, give stuff over to God. And I, I'd never tried it that way. And then evidence that God was working in my life started happening. And I started seeing good things happen. I have two and a half years sober now. I live in a million dollar house with this guy. I just bought a new Audi. Like, and I don't say those things as material things, but when I was new, that's how I would measure success was material things. But you could take all that shit away from you today and I'm still spiritually fit. Like I would be fine with it. As long as I know I'm not going back to a life of, of shooting heroin in my veins again, I know I'm good. Anything's better than what I came from. And, you know, I sponsor three gentlemen right now. Two of them are on their six steps. Another one's on his ninth step. And I see evidence of me not being selfish and giving my time freely. And I do that shit selfishly. I'm not going to lie. I'm a selfish, egotistical person. I got an ego up to here, but I have no self-esteem. And I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that. But I think I'm king shit, but I'm not worth anything inside. But when I hit my knees every morning and every night and throughout the day, when I invite God into every single situation that occurs, if I'm stuck in traffic and some guy cuts me off, that ain't about me. Maybe I'm supposed to be cut off from work. Like evidence of things when I get out of my own way, shit gets so much better. I, I mean, I just, I'm grateful beyond my wildest dreams. I'm 44 years old now. I did not know any heroin addict that was 60 years old. We don't make it past 40. You know, I got sober or clean at 41 and most all my friends were dead that I started using it. And I still see people that got clean with me and they're back at it and back at it. And they had some time and now they're with seven days and 12 days and that shit kills me inside because I, 
just do those 12 things. Like it's not hard. It's hard because you got to fucking take a hard look at yourself and no one wants to admit the shit inside that they did. You get stuck in that cycle of, I did some bad shit and now I feel guilty about it. So I'm going to do more drugs so I can take care of it. And then I do more shit, bad shit. So I feel guilty and you just keep numbing, numbing yourself. Right now in my life, I have a seven-year-old son who lives in New Jersey and I kept going back to rescue him. And that didn't work. I had a therapist in my treatment center that said, you need to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you can save him. And I've been out here for almost three years and God working in my life. This, this woman I had a crush on 25 years ago dated my best friend in high school. She, she saw I lived out here. She said, my uncle lives in Rancho Santa Margarita. She came out. Oh, you're divorced too? We started talking to each other three, four hours a night. She's flying here. I've flown back to New Jersey probably, I don't know, 10 times in the past six months, not only to see my son, but see her. But I see that's just God saying, hey, here's another reason why you need to go back to New Jersey and be with your son. So I just, I got COVID two months ago and I was on disability and I I see God work in my life. I see signposts. I have a month to go back and do a trial run with my ex-wife. My ex-wife talked to me, me and her talk to each other right now like we're best friends. I asked her, she asked me advice about her boyfriend the other day. This girl who was at my wedding, she's a labor and delivery nurse. She was there when my son was born. I thought she would be like, how long has this shit been going on? She was at her wedding and like you, you and her got something going on. No, like things, things are good in my life. God works in my life. God puts these things in my path and it's all because I help other people. I get out of my own fucking way because my head tells me to do the stupidest shit. And I've, I've practiced, I've practiced this trigger and the switch in my brain where even if it's a microsecond to pause before I do something. And when I pause, if it's something big, I call three other addicts or alcoholics who got some time and work a solid program. And I ask for their advice. Then I hit my knees and I pray and I silence my mind and I meditate and the answers come. And if you're new, God, I just, I just know, I, I never thought I'd get this thing. I, I had no idea how you can get stuck out of the cycle, but it was by me surrendering, waving a white flag, turning my brain off and just asking another man, like, I will shut my mouth. I will do whatever you tell me to do because I know it worked for you. I don't know why I was so resisting this thing. I thought it was a cult. I thought it was all, you know, they come in here. I, I honestly believe that like AA used to hire a- actors that look like they got their shit together to come in the room like, oh, that guy's got 30 years and they, he, they just pulled him off a fucking audition. Like that's where, that's what I really thought. And I was like, there's probably half the room is these people. They're just trying to get us in here so we put money in the basket. You know if I can make any money in the basket. I, there's people there who probably didn't even put any in the Venmo. You need to, you need to hand me up and put in this. But um, what's my time? Am I over? Am I two minutes? Um, I just want to tell you if you knew that there's hope, like I was so fucking lost for 26 years of my life. And now I have a son that looks up to me. I have a woman who loves me. I have a relationship with my ex-wife that I have friends who are divorced. They're like, how the fuck did you serve your wife divorce papers? And she's grateful that you talked to her and asked her how she wants to lay it out first. I bought my ex-wife a car this summer and I drove it cross country. I really bought it for my son because I wanted him in a safe vehicle. That's shit I wouldn't do. I slept with two women on the drive 
cross country <laughs> while I fucking did it. But you know, there's me taking my will and my action in the, into my hands again. You know, the opportunity presented itself, and I was like, maybe God. No. <laughs> this guy gave me shit about that. But um, no, I just if you take the time to truly, really work on yourself and give this thing a chance, it takes time. It doesn't fucking happen overnight. And especially heroin addicts, we want that fucking instant gratification. If you pause and be patient, accept where you are at life, like the 12, 12 principles, I practice that shit all honest, open-minded, willingness, patient, tolerant, acceptance, generous, taking this mask. You know how many masks I had to peel off before I finally got like, oh, I got rid of this mask. There's, there's always another mask underneath the other one until I started living my life the way I do in my rooms on the outside, which is hard. People, are, people see me, I'm gonna lie to you, little white lies so, so you'll like me. Once you're genuine, you attract people who really like you for who you are. And I, I, I never knew that was even a thing. I got people in my life, I have, I don't know, probably four or 500 numbers in my phone right now where I could call somebody and ask them to pick me up, help me move. And when you, when you get in the network of this thing, you know, plumbers, electricians, anything, you know, I'm the car sales guy. So like, you know, when people need to help buying a car, I go with them and whether you know, I work at a Land Rover dealership, most of my friends aren't buying Land Rovers, but I know people at the Honda and the Nissan dealership and I go with them and I help them get a deal. Like that's how I can be service to the people. One of my sponsees, Matt was over, our sink's broken. Jordan's like, hey, you're a plumber. Get under there and start fixing this shit. Which he did, because we help each other out. We, we lean on each other. And the people that I was hanging out with, they weren't my friends. There was people I used drugs with who would, as you've probably heard before, steal $40 from me and then help me look for it in the couch. I don't surround myself with people like that anymore. I surround myself with people who genuinely, honestly love me, who just randomly text me throughout the day. Hey, Dean, I love you. I, I didn't even love myself. And to have somebody show you gratitude and love when you fucking hate yourself. That's one of the biggest gifts I got from this program. Because I thought I was the biggest piece of shit on this planet. And now today, I hug myself every morning. When I made amends to myself and looked myself in the mirror and said, you're not that bad a person. All that shit you did was just a symptom of the disease. And now, you know, I, I do little shit. I'm at the grocery store. I put my shopping cart back. Just little shit like that. And it adds up. And I know God sees. And then he throws me a bone every once in a while. And it seems like magic. Like, I opened this book. I was like, what is this, some wizard shit? But once I started seeing evidence of it, I was like, this shit fucking works. And it does. So, again, thank you guys for having me this meeting. This is my first heroin anonymous meeting. And there's a ton of heroin addicts and alcoholics anonymous. So, I'm glad to actually be with my people. <laughs> so thanks for letting me share that.